Well, today is June 23rd of 2019, and it's an interesting day. It's a special day in the life of this church, because if we roll back 63 years in the life of our church, you come back to a, a time in June of 1956 when, when my dad and my mom and about 33 other individuals gathered together with the purposes of planting a local church in a local community of Lynchburg, Virginia. On June 21st, Thursday night, 1956, that group got together. They sat down together and they prayed together and they prayed that God would do something miraculous through this local little small little church, this small little fellowship, a group of believers gathering together for the purpose of reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as they got together at that time, they began a journey. Now they started at the old Mountain View Elementary School over on Campbell Avenue. They gathered together there on June 24th of 1956, that following Sunday, they gathered for their first Sunday morning gathering. In fact, if you go out, uh, out into the lobby on the side hall, you'll find there a little a booklet that in my mom's handwriting, she sat down and wrote down the names of all the individuals that were there in that very first meeting. And so that, that, that booklet is sitting out in the lobby. It's been there now for about 12 years. And for us, for me anyway, it's a special thing to see that we came from a, such a small group and what God has done through these many, many years. And they met there for a couple of weeks at Mountain View Elementary School on Campbell Avenue. And then knowing, seeing that God wanted to do something different, that God was growing that fellowship, they decided that they knew they needed to find a new place to meet. And so my dad and a couple of other individuals got together in a vehicle and started driving around the city of Lynchburg to find the perfect spot for this church to begin. They started driving around looking in different locations in different places, and then somehow, some way, God led that car to drive down into a neighborhood, the old uh, neighborhood off of Paramount Avenue and Thomas Road. They drove through that neighborhood, and they came across a building that was sitting there empty. Now, this building was built back in 1949. In fact, here's a picture of that building. Uh, when it used to be the Warren's Self-Service Vegetables, Groceries, and Snack Bar right there on Thomas Road. And so that building in 1949 became a, a small little grocery for a small little community, a small little neighborhood. Over the next couple of years, it became several other things. It be, this uh, Warren self-service ended up going out of business, and then it became Braswell's, and then it became uh, Davis's, and then finally they shut down because they could not continue. A couple of years later, in the early 1950s, the Lynchburg Bottling Company actually went in and began using that building to produce a product called the Donald Duck Cola. You can still find some of those Donald Duck Colas. You can actually order them on eBay. In fact, every time I see them on eBay, Jason Schoenfelder and I, we actually end up, we, we order them. We buy them off eBay all the time. And we, so we've got like scores of those bottles here just, you know, just for curiosity's sake, we buy those things. And so you can still buy them. I would recommend don't drink them because it's 63 years old. It can't be good. But we still buy those things. And so the Lynchburg Bottling Company started there in that building. And then for about two years, they were producing Donald Duck Cola. And then that business went out of business. And then the building just simply sat empty. And so it was interesting that God took my dad driving down that road that day with an usher, with a deacon of a church that was only a couple of weeks old. And as they drove down the streets and they found their way onto Thomas Road, that they found that building. It was sitting there. It was dilapidated. It was dirty. The grass was grown up around the building. The windows were dirty. And as that deacon told me not many years ago, Dad pulled into the parking lot of that building. 
when he pulled into that parking lot of that gravel lot of that building, he got out of the car and he walked over to the window, a window that was pretty dirty like this one here on this stage. And he walked over to that window and he reached in his back pocket and he pulled out a handkerchief. That was back when people carried handkerchiefs. How many of you still carry handkerchief? A lot of you. That's awesome. I don't have one. But he walked up to that window and with his handkerchief he pulled out, he went and he wiped away the dirt of that window. And he looked through the window and he said these words, we're going to change the world from right here. Now that deacon told me later, he said, I thought your dad was crazy. He said, there's no way you can change the world from Lynchburg. There's no way you can change the world from that, that dirty, nasty little building. There's no way that can happen. That is not possible. It can't be done. But yet my dad believed in a God that was bigger than what the world might believe. My dad believed in a God who was able to do all things. My dad believed in a God with whom nothing is too difficult. In fact, it was at that time that my dad adopted a verse that became his life's verse. And it's our key verse for this morning. And it's found in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And John, if you would put that verse on the screen. And it says these words, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, the work that God begins in you, nothing can stop it until the day that Christ returns. It doesn't matter what the world might say. It doesn't matter what people might tell you. It doesn't matter how many times you were mocked or laughed at or criticized. It doesn't matter how many times people put you down. It doesn't matter how many times tell you it's not relevant for today. It's a new day. It's not what it used to be. It doesn't matter what the world might say. My friends, the God who began this incredible thing called Christianity, when Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, let me just tell you something. That God is still on the throne, and there is nothing that will stop him until the day he returns. We rejoice in the fact that that is the genesis of our church, that that's how it all began. And so today what I want to do is walk you through this passage that has been a pivotal passage for our church, going back now 63 years. And let's read this passage together, if we could, out of Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Paul, writing this passage, says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Verse 9, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. What an amazing picture, what an amazing passage of the work that God begins, continues, and will continue until the day that Jesus returns. Listen, that ought to be an encouragement to everybody seated in this room. For the last couple of weeks, uh, Ben has been talking, walking us through the idea of encouragement, that we all need encouragement. 
He shared with us the important words that are found uh, in God's Word about how we need to be encouraged by one another, that we need to lift each, other's up, each other up, that we need to help each other along the way. Last week, talking about the idea that God is our ultimate encouragement, that God is the one that will always be there, never leave our side. And today what we hear is not only will God never leave our side, but God will also be there to continue the work that He's called us to do. You've heard me say it many times, the only place in life that you cannot fail is when you are smack dab in the middle of God's will for your life. When you find out what it is that God wants you to do, when you find that place of service, when you find that place of ministry, when you are in the place that God wants you to do what He has called you to do, that's where you cannot fail. And so going back these 63 years, that's been the picture, the, the, the heartbeat of our church. And man, it's so cool that it continues. In fact, right now we're in the middle of, of this special week, a, a service week in our community. We've got a number of our church family members who are, who are serving out in the community. They did a, a cookout yesterday and a, a little block party down at James Crossing. And, and throughout this week, they're going to be doing another vacation Bible school program over at the Salvation Army. And so we have people like Christy Quinn and Matt Holly and others that are, that are actively being involved and engaged in helping to, to minister to people in our community that, that might be forgotten if it were not for a church that simply believed, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it, continue it, move it forward until the day that Jesus returns. So today what I want to do is I want to do what Ben told us to do. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you individually. I want to encourage you as a family. I want to encourage you as a church that God still has great things ahead for each and every one of us. And from this passage today, that's exactly what we're going to walk through, what we're going to understand, what we're going to see of what God is doing in our hearts. So we go back to this passage. If you're in your Bibles, you can follow along. Philippians chapter 1. The one thing we recognize right up front, that this is a very personal message. Paul is writing this passage. By the way, he's writing this from prison. He's writing this under house arrest in a time that the world might say is a time of of depression, of discouragement, because he's locked away, waiting to be tried, not knowing what's going to come from that trial, whether he would be, uh, you know, convicted and then maybe beaten, flogged, or, or maybe worse, executed for his crimes of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's sitting in house arrest, and yet he writes these words. And look what he says in these words right up front. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. Now you say, well, wait a minute, how is that a personal message? Because that's, that's a passage that was written, honestly, to a very specific group of believers who lived 2,000 years ago in the city of Philippi. How is that relevant? How is that personal to us? Well, it's personal to us because all of God's Word is inspired. It is breathed out, and God breathed it out. He inspired it for one reason and one reason only, so that no matter who you are, no matter when you live, whether you live 2,000 years ago or whether you live today, God's Word speaks directly to you and it's relevant for where you are and who you are. Let's go back to this passage. What does the passage say? To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. I want to change that. Okay, so I know the Bible says don't ever take anything away from God's Word, don't ever add anything to it. Today, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do that in the context of what this passage is encouraging us to do. So I'm going to read it again. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Lynchburg, with all the pastors and the servants and the leaders and the deacons, in other words, all of us gathered in this place. This is a passage that was written to the church. 
It starts with the saints, very importantly. Remember, God never does anything by accident. Uh, today, we did some things by accident. Like today, we had, to, you know, we had to make things work. God never works that way. God always works with intention, deliberate. And so when he wrote those words, when he breathed those words out through the Apostle Paul, and he wrote, to all the saints who are in Philippi, oh, and also in the bishops and the deacons, you know what that gives us a very clear picture of? The most important people in the church are not the people who stand on the stage and preach. The most important people in the church are the people who are sitting here, gathering together, serving, ministering, making a difference. It's you. God makes it clear. We are the church. It's not a pastor. It's not a worship pastor. It's not the choir. It's not the praise team. No, 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 no. Those are people who serve in the church. The church is us. And so he writes those words to all the saints who are there in Philippi, to all the saints that are here in Lynchburg. Listen, be encouraged because God has a message for you. It's a personal message. So what's that personal message? Well, here it is. It's basically that we are in the prayers of God. Let's keep reading this passage, verse 2 through 4. It says this, grace to you on Uh, Grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. Now again, Paul's writing these words. Specific, talking to the group at Philippi. And he's saying, listen, I'm writing these words to you, and I just want you to know grace and peace are yours, not from me, not from Paul, but from our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, and by the way, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you every time I think about you. I'm praying for you every time your name comes to mind, every time Philippi comes to mind. Man, I am praying for you. How is that personal for us? What is that a message that speaks to us, encourages us today? Well, let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. And the second part of that passage, it says this, It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. What does that mean? It means this, Christ himself is praying for you. Now listen, I love the Apostle Paul. He's encouraging. He's encouraged me a lot of times through the way. Man, I've read so many of his writings and and, and read about what he has done and, and his service and his impact. There's no question. The greatest Christian who has ever lived going all the way back to Christ. No doubt, no question. What an amazing picture of what it means to live for Christ. But let me just tell you something. I would far rather have Jesus Christ praying for me than I would the Apostle Paul. The people at Philippi, man, I'm sure they were encouraged when they wrote this, when they read this letter. Hey, wait a minute. Paul's praying for us. That's cool. That's awesome. That's amazing. Great. But man, Jesus is praying for you and me. Today, Jesus, the one who died and and who rose again, the one by whom we see and experience the gift of salvation, Jesus that was there in creation, Jesus, the very God, he today is praying for Thomas Road Baptist Church. Let me ask you a question. Does that encourage you? Come on, does that encourage you? It better encourage you. Here's why it ought to encourage you. Because we live in a day and age where everything is telling the church, you don't matter anymore. We live in a day and age where the world is constantly trying to convince us that church is not a big deal anymore. It's not what it used to be. It's not relevant anymore. You know, you don't need to worry about that. That was for yesterday. That was back in the days when, you know, things were different. Society was different. Culture was different. The only problem with that passage, with that statement, with that thought that people have of the idea that church is not what it used to be is we roll back to Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus said, I will build my church. 
God himself, I will build my church. Let me just tell you something. When God builds something, the world can't tear it down. When God is building something, nothing can stop it. When God is building his church, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what what culture is going or which way it's going. I don't care which way the winds are blowing. I don't care what people think. I don't care what people are saying. I don't care what people are writing about. I don't care about any of that kind of stuff because the world can't stop us. We can't even stop us. When we mess up, when we fall into sin, when we do things we should not do. Listen, good news. Man, it's bad news for those who fall. But man, it is good news because nothing can stop the church of Jesus Christ. The church marches forward. And so we get this message. We get this passage. In fact, if you read that passage in Romans chapter 8, the very next verse after verse 34 and and verse 35, it says this, Who shall separate you from the love of Christ? So again, Christ is praying for you. And in Christ's praying for you and the fact that he's praying for you, oh, good news, nothing can take you away from Christ. Nothing can separate you from who he is. Nothing can separate you from the God of the universe. And that means this, when the world comes at us and criticizes us and writes articles about us and talks about us and laughs about us, when the people down the street are making fun of us for all we believe, it doesn't matter because nothing can stop the hand of God. Jesus Christ is still on the throne, and he is still moving, and he is still working, and he is still using us to make a difference. And so we know this personal message that is given to us through God's word, a message about his prayers that he's praying for us. Man, what an incredible thought. You look back over the history of our church, got to be honest with you, some amazing things have happened through this church in the last 63 years. I've been around for 52 I remember about 48, something like that, maybe 47. And I just this morning walked up and down the hall out here and I kind of looked at some of the things that have happened through the years. Had someone ask me the other day, like, why why did you put all that stuff up out in the lobby? Like, what's the point of all that? Isn't that kind of like, you know, talking about like all you've done? Isn't that kind of like self-centered? The answer is absolutely not. The stuff is out there in the hallway for one reason and one reason only, to always remind us that God is faithful. There's a door that's out there. You've heard me talk about it before. It's a fake door. Don't try to go through it. And it's out there for a reason. It's out there for a reason because what it does is it points us to the fact that when God calls us to do something, if we're faithful and we actually do what he's called us to do, that God can do amazing things when we're simply willing to obey. My dad was willing to obey the call of God when God led him to go knock on doors, a hundred doors a day, six days a week as he planted this church. God told him to do that. By the way, don't do that unless God's telling you to do that. You're making a big mistake if you do that on your own. God called him to do that, so he did it. And he did it, and God used that. And so all those things are out there for a purpose, to remind us of the goodness of God, of the greatness of God, of the power of God. Why? Because if we forget what God has done in the past, we just might forget what God is able to do in the future. And man, we don't ever want to be there. We don't ever want to be in a place where we've forgotten the power of God. And and listen, by the way, the power of God is miraculous. The power of God does something that doesn't make sense. The power of God is capable of accomplishing things that the world would say are impossible, right? Do you believe that today? The Bible says with God, all things are possible. Let me ask you a question. What's the definition of the word all? A-L-L. What's the definition of the word all? 
I could ask you all day long, and the only thing you come up with, well, all, that's all you could say, because we can't even describe or define the word all, because all is everything. It's like everything you could think of, right? With God, all things are possible. Philippians 4.13, I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me. Man, what an amazing promise that we've been given by God, that God can do all things, and all we've got to be is willing to obey. And so God gives us this great message, this great personal message that comes directly from his heart. Christ is praying for us, and he's praying for us again to accomplish a very important thing, a great promise that he's given to us. Look what it says in verses 5 and 6. It says, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Go back to verse 5. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. The first day until now. Again, I'm personalizing everything. It's our church anniversary. So yeah, this is personal for us. It's personal for me. Like, so from the first day of June 21st, 1956, from the first day until now, the faithfulness of God has been something we've been clinging to. And that's why today we can walk around this church, why we can actually drive around Liberty University, why we can, we can talk to missionaries around the world. I met just last week with Dorcas Harbin, who is serving in England. I talked a few weeks ago with Dwight Pogamiller, who is serving in Romania. We have people all over the world. I got reports this week from Mike and Lisa Bryant down in Guatemala, serving down there, making an impact, making a difference in Pueblo del Rio. Man, it's so cool to see that this local church today has been faithful in God. God has used that. But it doesn't stop there. So, faithful from the first day until now, one step over, and being confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work, he who started that work, he will complete it. Complete what? Complete what? Well, what's our mission statement? To change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and who love people. So again, now with that in mind, let me ask you a question. Does that encourage you today? Being confident of this thing, that God who began this work, he will continue this work, he will complete this work, and he will complete it. What? To change our world. That's what God has called us to do, and we're going to keep on doing that. We've got people all over our community serving. We've got people all over the world I look over here and I see the Roccos. They're sitting here and their daughter is sitting down in, today in Guatemala, making a difference, making an impact in Antigua, Guatemala. A young lady here at Thomas Road went through LCA. God pulled on her heart to go down there and minister to kids. She went down there for a brief time and God, what did God do? God said, nope, not done with you yet. Still down there serving amazing things. Married her husband there, now has a child there, which I know breaks your hearts. But she was here a couple weeks ago. You got to see her. That's awesome of people willing to go. Lauren Cottle, another one who went down and is serving in Guatemala. Mark and Julie Nash. Man, we've got them all over the world being confident of this very thing. Now, let me ask you a question, personalize it. What does that mean for you? Now, can you up and move to Guatemala? Can you up and move to Romania or up and move to Brazil as Russ Dean did for 30 plus years? Can, can, can we do those kinds of things? Lots of us? No. But let me just tell you something. The work that you can do in your own neighborhood is just as important as what will be done in another part of the world. Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a work in your neighborhood through you, he will complete it 
until the day Christ returns. Being confident of this very thing. My dad loved that verse. That was a verse that he believed in. He read it probably almost every day. In fact, some of you here, if you've been around long enough, you, you might have had my dad sign your Bible or sign something at some point through the days. And if you had him sign your Bible, I can guarantee you that if he signed your Bible, it would look something like this right here. It would look something like that. Because he never signed his signature in anything that he didn't put underneath it, Philippians 1, 6. Why? Because he believed in the power of God's Word, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. That picture right there is a picture of my dad's signature, by the way. This morning I had the idea I wanted to show that to you that I couldn't find one. So you know, I went to eBay. That's for sale for $14 on eBay right now. Yeah, if you've got a credit card, you can go buy it right now. And I'm sure whoever the person is that's selling that, God bless him, he'll make 14 bucks. That's, that's terrific. But Dad believed in the power of that verse, being confident of this very thing. Listen, are you confident of what God can and will do if we obey? Man, it's a powerful message, but what's it a message of? Well, it's a message of this, that he's, been given us a, he's given us a great challenge, a great job to do, a great work to do. Look what it says in verses 9 and following. In verses 9 and following, it says this, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Christ Jesus to the glory and the praise of God. In this passage, we're given four things that, that Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, challenged them to be focused on. Number one, love. That's Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. We've been challenged to love. We've been challenged to grow in our knowledge and understanding of God. That's discipleship. That's growth, spiritual growth. Colossians 2, digging down deep into who God is and growing, blossoming, blossoming in our faith. We've been called challenge here of right living. Yes, it matters how you live. It matters how you live. Don't believe for a minute, even the Christian leaders that are out there saying, you know what, we've been saved by the, the grace of Jesus Christ. We have liberty. We have freedom. Man, we can do whatever we want because we have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. True, but don't you believe for a minute that it doesn't matter how you live. Live different than the world. Make the world see you and think, yeah, they're a little odd. They don't do things that we do. Do that on purpose, because let me just tell you something. The way of the world is broad. It's huge. It's a big road. And you know where it leads according to God's Word? Somebody yell it out for me. It leads to destruction. Broad is the way, but narrow is the way that leads to what? Life. So yes, live different. Be different than the world. Don't buy into the idea that you can do whatever you want, that you can live however you want, that you can live just like the world. That is baloney. That is something that comes directly from the lies of Satan to get you not to experience the great gift of living for Christ. Right living matters. The fourth thing that we're challenged in this passage, man, to be more like Christ. That's our ultimate goal. Will you accomplish it here? No. But I promise you this. By faithfully being a person who studies God's Word, faithfully a person who prays, faithfully walking in the call of God in your life, let me just tell you, you won't accomplish being exactly like Him here, but you will certainly get a lot closer than the world will. And that's what God's called us to do. That's what God's called us to be, to walk towards Him. Why? Because the gospel still matters. Sixty-three years ago when my dad walked up to that dirty window, 
of that little building that was seated there on the side of Thomas Road. A building that had business after business after business after business after business that had failed. And Dad wiped away the dirt from that window and looked inside. He made that statement, yeah, we'll change the world from here. That wasn't bragging. That wasn't arrogance. That wasn't pride. Oh, no. Let me tell you what that was. That was absolute confidence and faith in a God who can do all things. Now, here's the problem. Yeah. Here's the problem. The problem is, I think at times, we've stopped looking through the window. I think at times, we've stopped looking through the window to see what God has for us yet ahead, and we get pretty comfortable on what's on the inside. I think we've gotten to the place a lot of times in, in our church, in every church, in, in our walk with God, where we get to the place where we, we feel pretty good about where we are. And so what we do is we start looking inward rather than looking outward. We stop looking to see what is yet ahead, and we start focusing on what is here and now. And when we do that, here's what happens. We stop growing. And I don't mean numeric growth. I don't mean growing as a church. I mean growing as Christians. We stop growing. We stop blossoming. We stop experiencing the miraculous move of God. Because let me say, God is not going to waste a miracle on somebody who is not moving closer to him. God is not going to do the miraculous when you're not sitting there waiting for it. God is not going to do the miraculous when we're sitting there thinking that it's not going to happen. That was a different day. Things have changed. It's not what it used to be. It's a different day. Let me just tell you something. God is not going to do the miraculous when we don't believe that God can do the miraculous. So it's time for us as a church to walk back to the dirty windows of our lives, the dirty windows of our community, the dirty windows of our world, and to begin wiping away that dirt and looking through and peering through and believing with all confidence, my God can use us to change the world. That's what we need to get back to. That's what we need to stand on. And I promise you as the pastor of this great church, I promise you this, as long as I'm here, that is what we are going to be headed towards. That's what we're going to be focused on. That is what we're going to be doing. Standing on the inerrancy of God's word, standing on the power of prayer, believing in a powerful, amazing, unbelievable God. We're going to move forward because until the last person in this world hears the gospel of Jesus Christ, our job is not done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the power of your presence. God, today we stand here encouraged because we know you promised you're going to keep doing the work that you've called us to do. So God, I just pray the one thing, that we will be faithful, that we will not be found lacking in our obedience and our service to you. God, we pray, don't catch us sitting down, resting, sleeping. God, I pray that you would keep us moving forward. Keep us strong in our faith, strong in our service, strong in our walk. Because, God, we want to change the world. God, you've done some amazing things in these past 63 years, and that's awesome. That's incredible. And, God, while we look back and celebrate what is done, Lord, I pray that you would keep our eyes fixed forward on what you're going to do. And, God, for that we give you the praise. And, God, we know the reason it's important is because the gospel still works. Salvation is still needed. And the world is still lost. And so today, with our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, today, I'm just asking you, on this anniversary Sunday of our church, 
which is kind of a neat time just to remember and to kind of focus a little bit on what's been done, but, but far more important to focus on what is yet to be done. I just want to ask, like, where are you along the walk? Like, are you all in? Are, are you passionate? Man, are you, you sitting there rubbing the dirt from the window saying, yeah, yeah, that's, that's who I want to be. I want to change the world. And if not, listen, there's good news. You can actually flip a switch today and change it. In a moment, we're going to open this altar. Our team's going to be here. And I just encourage you today, man, if you need to come here and just like a prayer of commitment, of recommitment, like not that your life is messed up, not like that you've been going down the wrong road, not that you've been like, you know, kind of rebellion. No, 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 not that. I mean, just like a time to recommit. God, I'm all in. A couple of weeks ago, I... In the VBS program with the kids, I got the kids all week long to to hear a statement over and over again where by the end of the week I could just say the first word and they yelled it back to me. And that statement was this, Satan, get out of my face. Sometimes we, because we are not running towards God, we allow Satan to sneak in and get in the middle of our look, in the middle of our face, in the middle of what's going on and to keep us from accomplishing all that he wants us to accomplish. So today, are you willing to, God, I'm all in. I'm all in. Satan, get out of my face. Get out of my way. I'm all in. Maybe today you want to come and kneel here at this altar. Say, God, yep, I'm all in. Maybe you want to come today, join our our family. Maybe you want to come from baptism this morning. Man, we'll take you right now. We'll put you in the cold water right now. That'll be fun. Maybe you're here today. You don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here today and you've heard the gospel, you've heard the power of the message of the gospel, but you've never experienced for yourself. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You may be seated there today thinking, you know what, I'm not good enough. Well, listen, you're not, and neither am I, but God loves you anyway. You might say, God doesn't want me. Hey, yes, he does. You might say, the gospel's not for me because of what I've done, yet God's word says the complete opposite. Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrates his own love towards you and that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. So let me just tell you, if you're here today and you've never met Christ, our team is here. We would love, love to talk with you about that and introduce you to the one with whom all things, listen to me, all things are possible. Let's stand together. Let's sing. The altar's open. Step out right now. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for joining us here today. You know, at Thomas Road Baptist Church, since our very beginning, back in 1956, we've been about one thing and one thing only, and that is to bring the message of hope that comes through Jesus Christ to the world. And today, my friends, we recognize we live in a world that's messed up. We live in a world that's full of division and conflict and pain and sorrow. But Jesus came to this world not to bring division and sorrow, but to bring joy, to bring peace to bring hope. And today, that's the message that we want to share with you. And if you're watching this and you've never had the opportunity of of connecting with him at that level, of understanding what it is that Jesus came to do, then I encourage you and I want to let you know the greatest news you'll ever hear. And that's this, God loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. In fact, he gave his only son, Jesus, to come to this earth, to die on the cross, to pay for your sins and for my sins, to do for us what we never could do for ourselves. What an amazing gift that really is. God loves you. Christ died for you. 
But three days later, he rose again. And when he came out of that grave, he gives us victory over sin, over Satan, over the grave. He gives us the hope for eternity. But according to God's words, very clear, what we must do is believe. We must believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We must believe that he died and that he rose again. And if we do that, according to Romans 10, 13, anyone, that means you, it means me, it means every person that has ever lived, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you today to recognize that hope that comes through Jesus. And if you've never trusted him as your Lord and Savior, do so today, believing that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said that he did, calling on his name, and it'll change everything. That is the message that we share. It's a message that we want to take to the entire world. And today I would encourage you to connect with us, maybe even financially through a gift that you can help us to take this message around the world. I encourage you today to stand with us as we stand with truth, as we stand with hope to let the world know God loves. Thank you.